This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals podcast hosted on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today, and let me say very unprofessionally, I forgot to ask her the pronunciation of her last name before we started. But since the show is totally organic, I'm going to roll with it and guess her first name is Christina. I know that. Last name, is it Rasmussen? It's perfect. Nor you know if this was some other show i'm sure they'd start it over but that's how this show it's totally flows it's organic so i'm glad that worked my fingers were crossed but so christina thank you for joining me i'm really excited to have you on the show today um and i did just quickly want to read your bio to let our audience know a little bit about you in case they're not familiar with your work before we jump into the conversation awesome Great. So Christina Rasmussen is an internationally recognized grief educator and author of Second Firsts. She is the founder of the Life Reentry Institute, Second Firsts, and Star Letters. Christina has been featured as a, quote, woman working to do good in the White House blog. Her work has also appeared on NPR, ABC News, and MariaShriver.com. She lives in Lafayette, California. It's quite a lovely, compact bio, Christina. Welcome to the show. Short and sweet, right? I, right. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, I, I, uh, whenever I do interviews and people read my bio, I kind of chuckle because it makes me sound so you know professional. And it's and yes, it's all stuff I do, but also I'm just like kind of a nerdy kid. But uh, anyways, that being said, um, I am excited. We're, we're here to talk about a book that you have recently written called Where Did You Go? And the subtitles, A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost. Um, Before we started recording, you mentioned that this book is actually a bit of um, a jump from the traditional work you mentioned you do, which is grief counseling. So I figured, if you don't mind, we can kind of start going back pre this book. If you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, you can start as far back as you'd like and essentially just kind of tell us what led you to the line of work you're in today. Were there any monumental life moments or experiences, uh, anything of that nature? Awesome. Um, well, I was living my life just like everyone else. Mm. Um, and, uh, at the time when just before my life changed completely, 
we were in um, the Boston area, and I was living with my husband, Piana, uh, and our two daughters, nine-month-old Isabel and uh, Alina, my two-and-a-half-year-old, and everything was going great. Um, just regular uh, <laughs> issues and problems. Um, and one day, my 31-year-old husband found a lump on his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to the doctors, and they diagnosed him with stage 4 colon cancer. Um, and Chris, that day, changed everything. Um, I, I went from living my life like everyone else to basically throwing up in the bathroom. I couldn't handle um, the truth. And at the time, they they told us that he had about six months to live. Um, uh, to say the word oh, devastated doesn't even, um, you know, uh, doesn't even cover it. Um, yeah, I can't even fathom. It is, especially, we were a young family. Uh, we had just moved from California to the Boston area. I remember there was a lot of snow. The girls were playing. And um, I was at the time a stay-at-home mom because the, the girls were so young. And um, we started on a journey um, almost like it, it, we jumped um, universes, lifetimes. We went from just a regular family to one that was fighting for our life. And um, uh, Biana went on a journey for about three and a half years um, to save his life. Uh, we, we went at Dana-Farber, uh, a great cancer clinic mm. in the area. We were in the best hands. But the, the odds and the statistics were not, you know, were not uh, really looking good. Sure. He died in um, 2006 at age 35, and um, my life as I knew it was forever gone. And what people don't know, a lot of people don't know about me, was that I had studied to be a grief uh, counselor prior to any of this happening. Um, And my thesis was on the stages of bereavement, but nothing could ever prepare you for the loss of someone you love so much. And I... He was, I used to call him my everything, Chris. He was everything to me and the girls. Um, And the day he passed, I um, remember walking away from that hostel room and didn't know who I was, Um, didn't know how I would survive this. I knew I had to for the girls. And a brand new chapter began. Wow. Um, First of all, I'm grateful that you know you you stayed strong for your for your girls and of course for the work you do now which is helping so many people throughout the world um do you mind kind of picking it up and 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 from that day and walking us a little bit further beyond that because obviously that was the turning (laughs) point for you and and if you're please if you're uncomfortable because this is obviously very heavy material um anything you're not comfortable talking about um just please let me know, and I completely respect that. Oh, thank you for saying this, but not at all. I'm, you know, this is how sharing my story has enabled me to help so many people, and sure. um, that day defined everything about my life. And I went home, and I had to tell my girls that their dad uh, died, and the six-year-old, and you know, they've grown from the diagnosis to now, three and a half years later. Alina was six years old, and um, I remember telling her, and she went from looking like a little girl, excited to see me home again, to actually 
crying grown up tears. It, it, she, she cried like an adult. Um, devastating moment, Chris. And then when I told my four-year-old, it's amazing the difference in age. They uh, is about turn around and said to me, "Mommy, does that mean that Daddy can see now everything I do?" Because uh-huh. <laughs> worried, yeah. <laughs> so concerned that he would see <laughs> or do things he's not supposed to do. Oh no! <laughs> it was cute, right? And I laughed, you know. And I said, "Honey, yes, that's right. <laughs> he can see everything you do." Uh-huh. And um, and we we started on our journey as a single mom with two little girls, and um, and this is how everything began for me. Thinking that I would be able to understand my journey, I was very surprised to discover that the traditional world of therapy and counseling was not enough to to help me to not just um, stop uh, crying and and stop being in panic mode and anxiety and depression, but also try to find my way back to life. And I remember at the time saying to myself, and I will never forget this: um, if I ever make it back. To a living, I will go back and get everyone else, and and um, and when I did, I did come back to get everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I discovered this hiding place, Chris. So after your after my life as I knew it ended, yeah. I thought I I thought I, I was I was finding my way into my second chapter, my 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 new beginning, my my new life. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it wasn't my new life. It was a place in between the the life that I left behind um, after he died and the life I could potentially have. And instead of of getting to the life I could have, I was stuck in what I coined and named the waiting room, Mm -hmm. where you go for time to heal you and where the world tells you, give it time, you know, just share your story, go and see a therapist and just and just wait until time can heal you and I went in there and I waited and waited and waited and I have to tell you nothing was getting better it was actually worse I was two years into my journey uh, after his passing and I was not better than I than I was in that maybe the shock had and denial had worn off but ultimately I was so sad Chris and I remember thinking also at the time oh my gosh millions of people feel what I feel yeah Yeah. but cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Everyone's life just moves on, and and there's me in that infinite loop of mourning and loss, and and that's how I discovered this waiting space in between, where the brain, we think our heart is the part that is going to heal us, but instead, it is the brain that takes over this grief identity and just repeats it over and over again, and the brain creates this default setting of grieving and default setting of anxiety and default setting of um, of looking at ourselves uh, through the filter of this devastating, devastating moment of impact, this devastating event. Yeah, and that's actually a question I have for you in a moment uh, regarding our brain and connecting with those we lost, something you talk about in the book. But before we get to that, I don't want to jump ahead. Um, so the book itself, you know, all of this journey led you to to this book, you know, this book on the afterlife and, and your journeys led you there. Um, so again, I want to get to the brain and the, the actual connection, but can you, can you give an overview of the book? What, um, what made you decide to write the book? Why, 
a book about the afterlife when obviously, you know, there's plenty out there, um, you know, just for readers to know a bit about that part of your journey as well. Yeah. So, you know, of course, the first book was written and I created the life entry process and helped myself and helped so many other people. But there was one question that remained, Chris, and a question that was so big that its shadow would just shadow everything. And the question was, where do we I mean, where do we go? Chris, you're a you're a smart human being with memories and life experiences and and, 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 and decades of your life living in this way, and then all of a sudden, you're not here. Right. And when you see that uh, up close, it shocks you. It, it, it is like, it, it questions everything. And and before I go into the chapter overview and this yeah. awesome book, I want to say that if you had told me then, or even even in my in my first book years, you know, that I would ever write a book like this, I would tell you you're crazy. Hmm. I am a I'm a very scientific person. Mm-hmm. I base my work in science and even if I never if I just wrote about life reentry and second firsts and new chapters in the brain and train like I had enough I have enough work to to last me a lifetime. Right. But um I started living my life also through a lens of uh, the quantum uh, world and the lens of the universe. And I was learning so much and I was experiencing so much that I started to feel a little bit hypocritical. Mm-hmm. as to as to what I was teaching. So basically, I would teach my classes and I would step on stage and I would share everything about the brain and, and grief. And then I would stop and not disclose this new chapter of my life. Mm-hmm. So one day I decided to start writing this book. And of course, um, it, <laughs> everything was so extraordinary and it went so fast. This book is not the typical book on afterlife. Right. And it's very different. And the one thing people will tell you, the readers that are reading it, um, that it's it's shocking how different it is to anything you've ever read on the on the topic. Sure. So can you? I mean, I know we have a limited amount of time, but can you give me a few examples of of in what way um, readers yeah. have said to you, or in your own words, that this <laughs> is different? Because again, you know, th- there are so many out there. But I, first of all, I want to say I really really appreciate that you take the scientific approach because even though I'm into spirituality very much, um, I also have a deep, deep regard for physics, quantum physics. Um, I think that that is so important. So to hear that you have that background automatically makes me more interested in you, your work and hearing about this book. And there's a reason why I probably haven't had a lot of authors or people on this topic on my show and and that's one of them you know as with anything there is no shortage of charlatans in in all fields of the world but when when we have someone like yourself who comes from this scientific background excellent now now my ears are a little more open i try to be open-minded regardless but so anyways full circle back in what ways would you say uh in just a few examples that this one is different I'm like you. I I read all those books and just I could not identify with what they were saying. Mm. Um, and and I had to. I guess I had to find my way to, for lack of a better word, the beyond. Uh, what, what what is what is the reality mm. that we are living in, and and the one that we can see, and the one we cannot see, and why can we not see it? What is it? What is this? And one of the very first books that I read. Um, uh, that I loved so much was the holographic universe by Michael Wood and the 
if you haven't read these following two books, Biocentrism and Beyond Biocentrism by Robert Lanza. Those I have not. Oh, Chris, you got to. <laughs> Very, a lot of science. Um, he's a physicist, of course, um, and explains things so well. So I started reading and reading and reading. So just to answer your question, mm. my book is based on a on a concept that I developed called the Temple World, where we um, enter um, the reality that is invisible and without uh, a container. And I try to use the brain science to take us all the way to the edge of our comfort zone and reality, all the way until it can let go and consciousness can take over and, and, and reveal to us what's beyond what, I, what the holographic universe is, what the hologram that we are projecting every day. And, and for those, uh, you know, listeners that don't know what the hologram is, you know, uh, it's, um, it's, it's almost like, in, in, and I tried to, to simplify everything I've read, um, our reality here, it appears that it's being projected by a through it from a deeper reality. Right. That when we die, and, and my my philosophy now after all this work that I've done in the research is that when we die, it is our hologram that goes away, mm. not our consciousness. So all the books on afterlife and spirits and ghosts, Chris. I'm like, take take them all away from me. <laughs> Make them go away. Sure. I'm sorry. I don't, and I don't want to offend anyone. Of course. Because that could be healing for someone else. But it, but for me, it was so far away from the way I, I understood the world yes. that they could not help me. They actually made me more afraid. Well, we speak our truth on this show, so no apologies. But I, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, so, okay. So anyways, please carry on. So, so it appears that the universe is this massive hologram reality and a projection from a deeper reality, mm. or as Baum would say, a deeper order. Sure. Um, and there is no time. We have created the illusion of time. And these are basics. And I realized that the world did not have the basics, mm. did not have an understanding of what we know this far. Even if if they knew about the experiments and the discoveries we have made, we have come far in our discoveries, but not far in our experiences. So inside this book, in, in Where Did You Go?, every chapter um, offers the reader uh, an incredible theory and discovery that we, you know, uh, you know the, the crazy thing, Chris, is that there are no physicists in the world that are certain about anything. Right. Yeah. Anything. Like not, not, and, and there's 85% of dark matter and dark energy in the world, and we don't know what it is. Like, we don't know 85% of our universe, right. what it's made of, where it comes from, what, what it is at all. Right. And to me, that's why if we're speaking, if we step away from science for a moment and take a, a look at spirituality, um, I have a reverence for elements of all the great wisdom traditions. I think there's value in all of them. Um, but for me personally, I tend to lean more towards the mystic tenets of them, or especially Advaita from Vedanta, which um, is saying, you know, it's the non-dual approach. And it does explain that, um, and a lot of human egos get offended by this, but we do have brains that while they are magnificent, just wonderful things, they still have their limitations. Oh my and, gosh. And so, you know, of course, 
how how are we supposed to make sense of that which our brains literally are not capable of understanding fully there it just you know to me and that's what these great um sages and rishis of india were saying thousands of years ago in their own language and you know talking about energy and and the universe and the manifestation and using terms like atman and brahman and now we have physics using their own terminology but saying very similar things um but essentially saying that i like how you said and talking about the hologram here it is it's essentially this uh, ball of energy just mm-hmm. like everything that's manifest is energy so anyways i didn't mean to hijack your uh, your oh, response i just wanted to no, interject and this is a conversation and 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 i love that that you're into this having a conversation or interviews with people who don't really understand it is hard <laughs> um, um well thank you i i'm a novice but you know it's 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 what fascinates me more than anything in life hence why i do this show and i i love talking to people such as yourself because I will. We will end this conversation. I will walk away with some new knowledge, as will the listeners, and on and on. This thing that cannot be fully understood ever goes right. So, yes. and and you know, I learned and and all the reading research is that, and a lot of the physicists will say this: the more, it, however much we understand what the universe is made of, because of what, something called the observer effect, right. we actually, you know, there's no reality that's objective. Right. All reality is subjective. And the more we observe the universe and understand it, that universe changes because of our observation. So we will, and I have chills saying that, Chris, yeah. because this is, we don't even have to go and watch movies or read books. I mean, there's enough um, adventure in understanding our reality. Like, just go outside and start thinking about the world. But the, the, every time we observe our universe and, and have an understanding of it, just by doing so, the universe will evolve into another layer of reality. And, and then we're going to go on and on and on trying to understand that level. And, and, and consciousness changes everything and, and evolves. Oh, yeah. It's you know, amazing. And yeah. you, just really quickly before before we get back into that, because you'd mentioned you've mentioned some uh, people like Bohm already and you're talking about the holograph. Um, there's a book I'm reading that if listeners are taking a lesson uh, and of course after you read Christina's book where did you go <laughs> one that um, another one I would recommend and I'm not sure if you've read this one or not but uh, it, and it's from I think it was written in the 80s there's so there's a lot of great books written since but I think this one stands the test of time and it's by Renee Weber called oh. Dialogues with Scientists and Sages the Search for yes. Unity um, lovely book lovely lovely oh. book so just wanted to interject and I love throwing out uh I'm a I'm a total book nerd, so anytime I can throw out a recommendation, I, I like. Chris, it. can I throw one more out uh, yeah. that I love? And I, I don't have the. Um, there's actually two. One is the Physics of God, um, which which I love. I mean, I, I love that book, and I don't have the author right in front of me. Okay. And and the other one that I'm um, reading at uh, this moment is called What Is Real. Ah. And that's a massive book. It's big. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Just my kind. And who's, do you know the author of that one? Yeah, last name Becker. I don't remember his first okay. name. Okay. But yeah, so the audience has the names. You can obviously look uh, look at uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Google, find the, the uh, yeah. authors. Great. I thank you. Always. And also what we do on the show, too, is we link related books. So 
our producer, one of our producers, Corey, who will be listening to this. There you go, buddy. You've got some uh, books to link. So thank you for helping him out, Christine. And the biocentrism books, uh, uh, Robert Lanza, Biocentrism and Beyond Biocentrism are uh, actually Robert Lanza said this uh, this sentence, maybe not exactly as I'm saying it, but very close to that. Um, we die in someone else's reality and not in ours. Uh, uh, and Chris, that just blew me away because so think about this. And one of the reasons why I started reading and writing this book was, you know, imagine if the person who died, they only die in this reality in our awareness of this reality, but they continue to exist in another realm, another dimension. And we, we don't know that because our very, very limited um, brain ability does not allow us to hear the, the sounds that are surrounding us right. and to see the light that is around us as well. Right. That's something that's fascinated me, the multiple universes theory. Not that you're saying that's what that is, but it no, sounds but similar. Um, I love thinking about things like that, even <laughs> not as deep as that, but I will be, let's say, driving down the highway. And sometimes when I remember to do this, I will consciously, you know, very quickly, because I try to be a responsible driver, but uh, <laughs> or if I'm driving down a road, it doesn't matter actually look and just see the person in the car driving by me and then quickly look back and then contemplate the fact that I am in my own body and my reality and there is this person in their body and their reality going the opposite way. I, you know, I have no idea what is going on in their life. And that's just one of obviously millions and millions of examples. But I, I often try to look at life like that. So it's not, it helps me to get out of my own egocentric lens and try to take a more holistic integral approach to life and remember that my view is just one of many views you know there's so many so there's so many and 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 we are you know i mean we live we think we live in this you know duality and 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 this um this, this individual way even though the, the brain projects a very specific reality yes. um for, for each one of us however we are all connected um and entangled and i'm sure yes you know a lot about the entanglement you know theory okay. and that but uh one of my favorites actually um but we are entangled and we are non-local and we are we we project from this deeper reality which that there's no time and and, and if there's no time outside of here then we never die Mm. Because we can't, <laughs> because we only die in, in a reality that has time. Like, Chris, of course, now you know the reason why I I had to, and I did not want to write this book. I was like, sure. oh my gosh, my <laughs> ego was like, Christina, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? What, why are you going out and writing this book when, when you've, you've, you know, you have all this credibility with this other work and, and, and you're doing, but, but I learned that, that. A part of me couldn't just go quiet, of and course. I couldn't stop talking about it. And and I believe that there is there is tools and and, and books like my first book that deal with with a very basic um, reality and our basic needs after loss, yeah. which are very very important. But then there's the spiritual and and part of us that is required. Otherwise, I don't think healing can be complete if we don't have both parts. Mm. 
That's such a good point. And, and a lot of the work I do is in healing. And I don't know that healing can ever fully, fully be completed, oh. period. Um, but that is another perspective I appreciate. Um, that's an element that I actually haven't often considered when approaching that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, very well said. So, you know, back to the book, There, there's so much. And what I love is you pack in so much <laughs> wonderful very accessible information, very easily digestible for a novice that has is basically no uh, has not read anything on this topic. Really has no uh, background in it. Um, so let's talk about um, God for a second. Oh, very big yes. word, very loaded yeah. word. <laughs> um, and you know, I have listeners that consider that may consider themselves anywhere from. Buddhist to Hindu to Christian to atheist and on and on, which is another reason I love this show. People listen to it for new ideas, new perspectives. And one of the underlying thing, themes that comes up often is this concept of God. So with your scientific background and your personal experience, what what do you believe when it comes to uh, to this big G word? Yeah. So I was raised um, in Greece, mm. um, and that's where my accent comes from. I'm okay. Greek. Um, and of course, uh, raised in a very traditional setting where everyone believed in the same concept, uh, Greek Orthodox, there's one God, there's one religion and nothing else. Yeah. And, and I remember going to church and if you've ever gone to a Greek Orthodox church, you can't really understand what they're saying, the priests. <laughs> so it was kind of this foreign language in a way, you know, um, old language, ancient. And, and, and there were these garments, I guess. And I wasn't connecting to that. So when, when Bjana died, I was like, people said to me, oh, he went to be with God. And I was like, what? Mm. Where is that? What, what, what does that mean? And so here's what I learned through the research and the discovery of the discoveries I've made with this book and all the books that I've read. And we all believe, um, in a higher power and we all understand that there is some kind of intelligence that is, is beyond our everyday understanding. If you ask some of the physicists that look at all the math, and when they try to understand the universe, actually there's so much intelligence behind the math, behind how the universe is made. And if I was to take the observer effect concept, uh, where you know consciousness um, influences um, reality, mm-hmm. there must have been a first observer. Good point. There must have been, right, a consciousness that observed the, maybe the Big Bang. I mean, something, something observed something else, right. and that created more observers and more observers and more observers. And it is a simplified version of what God could be. I do believe in some kind of a higher. I actually don't like the word higher. It is some kind of uh, what's the best way? And I've answered this question so many times, and every time I answer. I answer it slightly differently because I evolve as well as time goes by. Uh, two course. months after the book has come out, I've had so many conversations. Would I you do- say universal is applicable yes. or is that not quite? I think all, 
we all believe in the same thing. We're just finding human ways to describe it. Sure. With story, with religion, with different branches of religion, with different ways of understanding what is that conscious, divine consciousness. And and it's it's great that we have so many languages, and I'm not talking about real language, but re- religions and ways right. of understanding what what this this is. Yeah. Because to, and we need to get to our own way. That I mean, my religion is is inside this book. Yeah. <laughs> These are my words. This is the way I got to it. And there should be more ways, sure. more people believing different things. Um, but I think we all get to the same outcome, Chris. I, and I agree from from my own personal experience and, and with whether it's meditation or other experiences I've had, um, you know, where where Chris actually the the Chris that I know, the ego Chris falls away. He's left the building and all that's <laughs> left is that universal witnessing consciousness or whatever one chooses to call it. And um, to me, that's very similar, I think, to what you're saying. And I appreciate how you say we all do in our own ways have the similar belief there's just different uh languages and different wording to put around it and um but at the end of the day i think the experience is the same and going back to physics what i love about that is you know as i mentioned earlier everything is energy and i believe you'd use the word um interconnected earlier which is a word often used in buddhism and they both would assert that quite literally Every single thing, not just on Earth, but in the universe, is connected. Just because we can't see that, it doesn't mean that that's not the case. And and from physics, as you're aware, it's that's saying that everything starts down at that subatomic level, and where it's all just like this quantum soup of pure potentiality. And then Big Bang happens, and next thing you know, there's you know uh, organisms or atoms, molecules, cells, organisms, and computers and cars and guitars and telescopes <laughs> and you know all kinds of craziness but um it's 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 incredible so to tie that back into the book itself um because i i really want to spend the, the yes. second half of the show going deeper into the actual and the book isn't just about connecting with those we've lost i know you oh. discuss plenty <laughs> of other things but that is the kind of main point or title so let's talk about that so obviously you believe and have experienced connecting with those we've lost and um sounds to me like you believe it's something that's possible especially from like i was saying about your the brain concept earlier that you talk about in the book um tricking our brain uh to connect with those we've lost can you talk a bit about that about actually having some form of communication with oh. those who've who've moved on and what that looks like or sounds like or is from your yeah. experience there was someone um, who I really respect said to me, Christina, just before the book was coming out, yeah. make sure that people understand that you're not speaking to the dead in mm-hmm. the way that traditionally we think of it yes. like this. And if, if if my book was able to redirect our understanding of connection with someone who's not um, in, in the third dimension, this illusion that's called third dimension is that there's a way to, for our consciousness to connect with theirs, because ultimately we're, we're both in coming from that deeper reality. Right. So they, they are still there where they were projecting this reality from. So the book beca- begins with 
grief and loss and the quest to connect with those we've lost as a gateway. Mm. Actually, that creates a, a portal. It creates the craving and the need to ask the question, what's beyond this reality? And I take that need and I take that question and I take, I help the reader take that very first step, which I call the doorway. And the, the chapter that begins the experience after my own story and, and the introduction yeah. is called the door. Um, and the door is both a metaphor for people or an actual, they actually see an opening right, before they can go beyond this reality. Sure. And this, this first chapter um, in the experiencing of, of the world beyond helps the reader understand that there is a way to let go. Um, I can tell you, uh, we have a group with a thousand readers. Um, wow. And, and they're like multiplying every day. And this is not the, the group is called Where Did You Go? So if you're reading the book, come and find us. Yeah. But I don't post it anywhere. I don't say here, come and find. Like people are reading and finding. Because I only want readers there. I don't, I don't want random people. Sure. Um, so we have a thousand readers. And Chris, and these are people who doubt and don't know what to believe. And, and I say to them in this book, take the book and start reading. And then each chapter has um, the next step in the journey. And it is the reader that jumps in the driver's seat. And it is the reader that's going to prove if the book is accurate or not. It is your experience as a reader with what I call the temple journeys. Is what, You tell me whether you connect with your loved one or not. And we start this journey. And I have chills just telling you these, these stories from people, not only from those who successfully enter through the doorway, from the beginning, but mm. those who try for a whole month and then one day, Chris. And they're nearly like giving up and they're nearly saying it's not working, I, I can't do it. Right. Just the, the time before they give up, one day they go into the journey, there's instructions, the book, and everything is right there. Their loved, their son, their daughter, their husband or wife, their friend, their mother or father, and they have a connection that is so emotional and so real that it, it's undeniable. And they come back and they share this with everyone else. And even even just having this one experience, even if you don't go further down the book, which obviously the book becomes something much bigger than that. And I remember my editor saying, Christina, what's much bigger than connecting with someone you lost? I said, well, what is much bigger is understanding this reality and using it to change your life and using it to, to change your, and I'm gonna use the word vibration, not in a, kind of new age way, real, real vibration. Literally, like yes. Literally, like yeah. we vibrate, right? Right, right. We are energy that vibrates. Uh, we are, uh, you know, vibrating strings of light. The string theory, I mean, we are strings of light that vibrate. Literally, yes. that's what we are. This is not like, oh, we're going to raise our vibration and energy. <laughs> like, right. we are going to raise our vibration and, and vibrate and, and our energy changes. And one of the things that uh, even before people have experiences in their journeys, they say the one thing they know is that they are feeling, they have this feeling of joy and calm and peace. And I would say our uh, recollections of their journeys uh, resemble quite a lot the, the recollections of near-death experiences. 
And and so I mean, with that though, with with these experiences, first of all, I wanted to commend you. Um, what, something you said was you ask your readers, don't take my word for it, find yeah. out for yourself. <laughs> and that is something I do in every one of my books and any talk I give. It's like, look, I can just share my experience with you, but that's all I can do. Like and and help guide you to the best of my ability, but. Um, please don't take my word for it, you know, find out for yourself. And if it resonates and works, wonderful. If not, there are no shortage of other means (laughs) and methods out there. So, you know, you're sharing about just how beautiful those experiences are. Um, Do you feel comfortable, obviously not naming names, but sharing what, or even giving a, a kind of generic example of what that might look like when someone has that first initial experience the kind of first step you're talking about where they actually do reconnect with that one um, in, in the consciousness. Um, is it something, is it different for each person or is it something where they typically will see the person or can communicate? What uh, can you ex- elaborate a little more on that? I have so many examples, but uh, what the, the most amazing thing, Chris, I have to tell you, I'm everyone in the group says, Christina, we're so glad you're here with us so much. I'm like, cause I love it. I mean, this is, this is the way I live my life yeah. as well. I didn't just write the book. I wrote the book because because I felt like it would have been a, a shame not to share this. And I want to say, and I've said it publicly a few times now, and I think my family didn't like this very much. My, I don't want to say much more about that, but I said if this book ever becomes this, uh, that it makes money and, and profits, actually, I, I will donate that money away. I, I, this is literally, this book is a gift. I... The, you know, I, I I was afraid it's gonna it was gonna take my career down, sure. but this I wrote this for the people. I did I didn't need to write it. I, I I'm not a psychic. I'm not a medium. We all are. Um, whenever um, I have act, I see pe- other people who have passed that have nothing to do with my own loved ones. I basically connect and say go go and find yours. Like the, the, I I'm not here to give messages to anyone. Um, this is and people ask me that all the time like nope nope right. they say if you see my loved one can you i'm like no no no. this is for you so um you know these are some some of the themes that we see sure. and some of some examples um a lot of people when they actually get through um a lot of the times they see their person from afar okay like it's it's they're there and and they cry. I mean, it, it's an emotional, and the thing that people say, Christina, it's not all, it's not really in the scene. It's it's an experience, a very emotional experience. Sure. And then and then they see them from afar. They're aware of their presence. They know they're there. And then when they get closer to them, there's a there's always some kind of message they get from them: a hug, tears. And the message is not in words. It is immediate and telepathic and that's the best w- word i can use to describe the, yeah. the immediacy of the message they receive um uh, a lot of people experience spinning um and and this is the part that i had a glimpse of from the study groups that i did as i was writing the book but now because we have thousands of readers uh, now I'm, I'm understanding it even better when people journey, whether those journeys that are instructed in the book are successful for them while they're taking place or not, their dreams are impacted and they have visitation dreams, as they're called, when they see their beloved in their dream. Sure. And and they they come back to, to me and, and within the group, they talk about 
my journey didn't work, but then I went to bed, I slept, and I saw my husband for the first time in years. And they're like, Christina, is this connected? And then other people started writing and, oh, me too, and me too, and me too. So the journeys open the, the gateway between this reality, this hologram, this holographic experience with what's going on beyond it. So and it's amazing. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but something that just came up while you were saying that for yeah. me, um, and I don't know if, uh, I don't recall if this was discussed in the book, but I have had, I've had many animals in my life and mm-hmm. I love them dearly, but there was one dog in particular, this basset hound, sweet, 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 sweet dog. Yeah. Um, and once in a while, and it actually, the reason it just hit me was it happened uh, within the last two or three nights, I will have a dream where she comes to me in the dream. And the thing I remember more than anything else is the resounding joy I feel in that moment, as if it's quite literally happening in my waking state. So, um, you know, is that something that you find happens with people that uh, do this practice as well? Are they able to connect with not just um, those who took human form, but also other forms as well? You know, if you could see me, I'm smiling. Uh, it is not in the book. And I have to tell you, both from personal place and, and from what I've seen from all the readers, that is one of the most um, asked questions to me. Mm. And people write to me, Chris, and I, I have two dogs. I My dog passed in October. Um, uh, my first dog, I've never had a dog before Tyson. And he died um, in October, and I was so devastated. I was oh, yes. distraught. He was my shadow. He 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 wrote with me the books. I mean, he was there with me, and I felt oh. as soon as the book was about to be, the second book was about to be born, uh, and I don't know, I feel very emotional seeing this, but it was like it was time for him to say goodbye to me from from here. And I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm emotional. No, um, no please but, don't apologize. <laughs> but, um, such a uh, he's so missed, and like, like your doggy, and um, and I want to say to you and to everyone who's listening that not only are pets come to find us in our dream state, in our journeys, in however you want, whichever your methodology is by connecting to the beyond, but one of the things that has been has blown my mind is that people see a lot of animals when they go to the temple journeys, a lot. It's incredible, Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, and and because I'm I'm learning as I'm going to I'm sure. a student, right I'm not I I never say I'm this great expert I'm like well, animals are I would say even stronger in those states than than human human consciousness is um, and it blows my mind and your dream that you had a few days ago that was a real connection with your dog. That is re- that was real, Chris. If, uh, I'm, thank you for saying that because, uh, you know, I honestly, I don't know. But what I can tell you I do know is it felt like it was, as like I said, as real as my waking state. So yes. thank you for, uh, for saying that because um, regardless of whether it was or wasn't before speaking to you, it meant the world to me. But it means that much more hearing someone I've come now in the short time, but to truly trust what she's saying. So... That's so special. And now like I'm getting a little teary eyed because that's what that's what our loved ones do, especially I find, yeah, our animals. And uh, yeah, I literally have (laughs) tears in my eyes right now. But um, that I didn't expect to to feel I mean, uh, people say to me, but Christina, you've also lost humans. And I said, you know, that doesn't take away this unconditional 
soul love that we have with our animals that um, I was blown away by it, um, when, especially when he passed. And I sobbed for days. I didn't come into work. And I wrote about it. And the emails that I received on me writing about Tyson yeah. were by far more than ever anything else. Yes. that I've ever written. It's, it's, it's incredible, Chris, to see the world loving animals the way they do. And maybe as I'm saying this to you right now, I'm, I'm discovering, realizing that maybe we're so much more connected with animals than we realize. And that's why they're in our journeys and our temple journeys so much. People see wolves and tigers and lions mm -hmm. and dragons. I mean, it's incredible. And they come back and these are logical, normal people. And they say, Christina, I am confused. Why did I just see a wolf? <laughs> <laughs> like, was that? What was that? Right. And it's amazing to see. Amazing. It is, and and I appreciate how you said that soul connection. Um, just yeah. a quick short story is I. Yeah, I've lost, unfortunately, many dogs in my life. I've had a dog in my life pretty much um, since I was born, and uh, but I. I'm engaged and I've been with my fiance now for over a year and she yeah. used to have snakes and then she stopped and she just didn't feel right um, feeding mice to them. So what she started to do was actually go to the pet store and buy the feeder mice. Um, just the, uh, she's only owned, well, she, when I met her, she owned two. Uh, oh. One of them passed shortly thereafter and the other one lived for a, a good six, seven months and I really, I mean, I bonded deeply wow. with this mouth. I, I would sit on the couch with her and, um, uh, you know, and so anyways, I'm sharing that because when she passed and she passed shortly after uh, one, a dog, a little dachshund my family had. Um, so I was already kind of vulnerable and I think it was around October. So it's kind of similar to you. Um, yeah. But when this mouse, it was my first experience of having such a deep emotional reaction. I mean, it was the same kind of ugly cry that I yes. would have when a dog passed. And when I would tell people, I didn't talk a lot about it, but when I would, a lot of people didn't fully understand because yeah. they're like, it's just a mouse. But it's so much more. It's like you said, it's that soul yeah. connection. Um, and love is love, there, and, you know? There's something there, Chris, right? I mean, yeah. there's something there that is deep. It, yeah. It's very, very deep. And and maybe with dogs, we people think they feel it more because they're the way they look or the more sure. the smaller. We, we had someone in our group um, that uh, her husband had snakes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason why we know this is because another person in the group went into the journey and she said, I saw a snake. And, and and she was confused as to why. And it was a beautiful snake and she felt really good about it. And she came out and then this other person showed up and said, oh my gosh, um, my husband had snakes before he passed. And and there was a connection there. And, and I'm learning so much from everyone else, not just from my own experience with animals, but others. And we have so much to learn, Chris, yeah. about who we are. And, and, and I don't know if you saw this week, there was an article about um, that they're really getting close. I mean, this has been in the news before, but I guess what's happening is that we're proving it. And, and physicists are basically saying, yes, this is possible, that our whole universe is conscious. Oh, yes. Really yeah. Conscious. yeah. I don't know if you read the, the latest article. I, didn't, I don't know that I saw this week's, but I've been seeing it for years. And, of course, reading yeah. that material from various uh, sources for yes for quite a while but um do you know by chance do you remember where it was published so uh, was it print yeah, or, uh, 
it was in uh, futurism.com and of okay. course this this sites take um take the uh, the papers that were written by the scientists and then they kind of translate them a little bit and and uh, you know send you to the source Great. but basically it's talking about how just like we have consciousness and feelings there's other levels of consciousness and feelings even within a star and and i know you've heard of this before but they really are getting closer to proving it that's it's so exciting seriously i mean as long as we do not blow ourselves up before we get farther it is such an exciting time to be alive um so we're starting to, to run down on time um as we mentioned or I mentioned, there is so much more about this book than just what we've talked about. And I know we have actually still covered a lot of ground, but could you give um, kind of a brief overview of some other topics that are discussed in the book, just so readers have a, a more full vision of uh, of what they can expect aside from what we have discussed? You know, someone said to me, um, Christina, People don't know what they're about to explore in your book. They think they're they're gonna go and connect with their loved ones, and that's it. Right. And I say, you know, I know. <laughs> I'm actually excited. You know, we didn't uh, promote it from that angle because I think it's nice to be surprised. But the book actually uh, goes into concepts like the observer effect and how we create reality, the multiverse, the field, the quantum field, and the non-local reality. Um, uh, the entanglement theory and all these concepts that have been with us for a long time, but somehow they haven't penetrated the mass, the masses. Uh, It's almost like we are left in the dark and to, to live our lives in this repetitive brain state of of the default uh, lazy brain. And we keep repeating our days over and over again. I think it's criminal. And if anyone has information to help someone awaken from that state and does not share it with the world, it is it is a mean thing to do. I'm sorry I'm so direct with this, but Chris, like p- people need to know the truth so they can start living their lives differently. So the book begins with a connection, yeah. but then the biggest amazing insight that I got out of it is that once people connect and they have those first conversations, and what I call create a new memory with with the person you've lost through a different way of um, expressing consciousness, you move on to um, proving to your brain. And I have this exercise called the object exercise where I want to help your brain believe that the world that you visit through these journeys is actually connected to this world. Mm. So we go into this proof concept and without proof, we cannot believe and without individual proof. So you as a reader, Chris, need to believe. I cannot convince you, or I'm just using us as an example, I cannot convince anyone that this is real unless you experience it for yourself in an example that makes sense in your own reality, that only you would go, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened to me. So the book helps you find this object inside your journey in this, in this reality beyond this one. And then you come back and then you live your life as normally. And there's a very high percentage chance that that object will accidentally show up in your reality here. Mm. And when it happens to people whose objects are very rare and weird, so, because you, you shouldn't, like it just shows up there. So right. people have found weird objects. And and, and, I, and there's one object, I need to go back and look, look at the name of it. And this is a word I didn't know. Um, so this this reader found this object in 
her in her journey that was kind of strange. She comes back and says, oh, this is such a strange object. And anyway, she goes to, I don't know, one of these big stores, Target or Costco, I don't remember which one. Hmm. And she's like paying for her things. And the cashier on her arm, there was a tattoo of her object. Wow. <laughs> on and she freaked out. Of course, there's she's in the middle, and this is just an example of thousands. I mean, oh, I have yeah. so many examples, and and when it happens, it's in such a unique way. When your what you saw in your journey shows up in the reality here, the brain actually is more open to believing and more open to taking you further into that deeper reality, and it won't help. It won't try to stop you from going there. So that's that happens further down the book, and then we go after that we go to the to the temple of the universes where we enter um, a world where I educate you that there's infinite versions of yourself and your life, mm-hmm. and you know this, Chris. You know, this. yeah, that's something yeah. I, I've been reading for years and and absolutely love and baffles yeah. my mind. And just like you're saying a few minutes ago about physics and and things of that nature and why. Uh, why those theory, all of those theories you mentioned, why are they not like on the front page of every paper <laughs> or the news? And it always reminds me of like uh, Eckhart Tolle's first book, The Power of Now, where he says, you know, if, if you're looking for excitement or whatever, you've come to the wrong place. But to me, in this journey, that's that's where now I find my excitement is in learning more about physics and these these various theories. But not only learning that's those are just the signposts but the most important thing is as you've been stressing this whole conversation having your own direct experience so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt so please continue yeah. now and, and and when you have your own experience it changes everything absolutely everything. there's no okay. coming back yeah, yeah. you're you're gone so when people have their own experience i mean oh my god crazy I mean, and I, in the years I've been doing this work, of course, I've received thousands of emails from people whose lives have been changed because of the work, even prior to this book that I've done. The stories I get now, I mean, I cry. I mean, I sit there. And, and, and when a mother comes to me and says that she saw this, her son after trying to connect for a whole month through this journey and she wasn't, wasn't going to give up. Mm. When, when, when I hear someone who lost their spouse after 40 years of marriage and, and, and they, they all of a sudden have a connection and seeing them and they come back. And, and from the people who couldn't get it to work in the beginning, when they, there was no way they could make up that experience. It just means the world. So when, anyway, we, we go on in the book and we go into this multiverse. And I teach people that the, the, that we, if we continue our life as it is, it's not going to change very much. I mean, we'll have our losses and, and unexpected events, but ultimately we're more or less going to continue in this default setting all the way to the end. Or there's going to be another reality that our worst fears are going to come true because we're observing Mm. our worries and we're observing we're observing a reality that the worst thing happens and with people who have experienced loss and tragedy they worry so much more and observe a reality full of tragedy inside their minds and and i and i I cannot stress this enough i had to speak to myself about this Mm. because i've seen a lot of tragedy early in my life i say to people the more we observe a, a possible tragic future the more tragedy we're going to experience in our lives. And I have people who come to me and say, I've had like a cluster of losses, like my brother, my nephew, my, like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And I believe, and I, and I haven't studied this or tested it, but just this is a general theory of mine is sure. that 
people who experience tragedy and they observe tragedy within their thoughts, we vibrate in that place more and more and there's more that comes unfortunately. And, and people do send me, um, I don't want to call them hate mail. I just, it's okay. It's fine. I I'm totally fine with it, but, but it's the reason why I'm sharing this is because I want to, I want everyone to have joy and health and happiness in our life. And if that's a possibility that we are observing, uh, loss and we bring more loss in our life, mm. then what can we do to change that? It's not going to hurt us. Of course. <laughs> it's right. only going to help us, right? Um, so in that chapter, we actually teach the mind and consciousness to observe what I call a miraculous version of our life mm. and to visit that daily within those states and experiences. And then the final step is the quantum field which is my favorite. And I was right when I was writing this and I, when I was teaching it for in my study groups in the beginning, in my test groups, I couldn't wait to get there. It was almost like the field was um, influencing everything I was doing because ultimately we're all in this sea of energy and and we are connected and we are entangled and, and we, we can't see, we can't see <laughs> so much. We are, I mean, Chris, we are connected not only right now, but always. always we were always yeah. entangled. And now we're going to be entangled even more because because our lives passed each other just like the person, you, you know, that drives at the opposite side of your, you know, when you're driving in your right. car, someone else. We just, you're entangled with that person, actually, and you're entangled with me. And yes. we're entangled with all these people. Um, life is, is so beautiful, especially when we get to see all of it. And not just a partial view. And I think, uh, for, well, actually, that's perfect because we are just out of time. Yeah. And I couldn't ask for a more beautiful way to end this conversation. Christina, it has been sincerely <laughs> a real, real pleasure. Um, I want to let readers know that even though we, we did work through a lot of this book in the conversation, and you did just give a, a very nutshell overview of the rest, um, it doesn't do justice. The book is called Where Did You Go? A Life-Changing Journey to Connect with Those We've Lost, published by Harper One, so you know it's quality material. Harper One's a great publisher. Um, but Christina, I'm going to have to have you back on the show because <laughs> I feel like, aside from this book, I would love to just chat. I, I feel like we are two very simpatico individuals focusing on some some different things, some similar, but at the end of the day, we're enough intersex where we could just continue to have a, a fun conversation. So um, I, I will stay in touch with you and with uh, our dear friend Beth, who connected us about having you back on the show down the road. Um, but again, uh, I thank you. And I did forget to ask in the beginning, I know I read your bio, but I did not see an email attached. Do you have, or not email, excuse me, a website. Do you have a website where people can learn more about you? Yeah, so ChristinaRasmussen.com, LifeReentry.com, WhereDidYouGoBook.com. Um, and, and I always say to people, just just Google my name or put Where Did You Go on Amazon or and I will show up. And, yeah. one, and I want to say that this book, I believe, will find the soul's that are supposed to read it like I, I have this belief and faith in that and it does uh, people say I don't know how it came to me but it showed up and all the listeners who are going to listen to this were meant to listen to it it's just what it is another another thing we share if I do a workshop with a dozen people or 500 it doesn't matter to me because who's there is meant to be there so 
Well, Christina, thank you. And just for listeners, um, the spelling of her last name, uh, Rasmussen, is R-A-S like Sam, M like Mary, U, double S like Sam, E-N, though you'll probably see that in the uh, the title of this podcast. I'm just being overly um, thorough here. But again, Christina, it has been a real pleasure. I wish you well, and I thank you for the very good works that you are doing in this world. Chris, thank you for having me, and thank you for the emotional journey we've been on this interview. I really, really loved every second of it. Thank you. Same here. Thanks much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.